the demand remains strong, the willingness from corporate buyers to engage in PPA contracts remains strong. And from the developer side, although they have challenges in their supply chain and cost of their components, there's also a great deal of uncertainty there. They're also willing to transact and they are acting rationally and hoping to capture some more of that um, near-term high revenue that's available in the wholesale market. And, you know, that's where the meat of the negotiations take place at the moment is how do you sort of allocate and make everybody happy with the current market situation. Hello and welcome to Energy Unplugged by Aurora. This podcast features various experts from Aurora having in-depth conversations with key industry leaders, policymakers and academics from all over the world. It explores the hottest topics across the energy market and gives a unique perspective on major energy issues. Welcome to Energy Unplugged. Today we will be discussing long-term green power purchase agreements or commonly known as PPAs. I'm Tekla von Bülow, Principal for Commission Projects at Aurora's Berlin office and heading up Aurora's PPA project activities. My guest on the show today is from Denmark but has opted for a warmer climate for a couple of years now living in Madrid, Spain. He started off his career in banking before transitioning to the energy industry and has become an energy market expert for power purchase agreements. He has a background in wholesale market trading and management of risk portfolios for corporates. He was responsible for energy procurement and implementation of an RE100 strategy for a large chemical company and has more recently been a lead business developer and originator of Wind PPAs for the Danish utility Orsted. He is now the vice president of Europe of Level 10, a provider of renewable transaction infrastructure. And with his background, he knows Level 10's business from all sides, selling, buying and investing in renewable energy. My guest on the show today to discuss current trends on power purchase agreements is uh, Fleming Sorensen, vice president Level 10. Welcome back to the show, Fleming. Thank you very much, Tekla. That was a very um, uh, lengthy and comprehensive introduction. Uh, a guy growing up in the northwestern part of Denmark is, uh, is, is not used to such introductions. So thank you very much for that. It's a, it's a great pleasure to be here. Great, great to have you uh, on the show today. So uh, as our listeners have different level of, of power market expertise, um, would you be able to really very generally explain what PPAs are and especially also what the role of Level 10 is in, in this whole space? Sure. Um, at, at least I'll give it a go. So when we think of a PPA, a power purchase agreement, it's, it's actually... Um, not as complicated as as people might think it is. We have we have um, in in the basic idea two stakeholders. We have a buyer of electricity that is interested in obtaining the green benefits and the additionality claim. So the so the strongest sustainability claim that that you can sort of imagine, and they want to engage with a pre-construction renewable asset. And on the other side, we have a developer of such projects that are looking for a stable cash flow to go demonstrate to their, to their bank or other financiers that uh, here is a viable business case. So please uh, give me some money so I can go build the project. And 
And so the two parties agree to exchange power and, um, and renewable energy credits for money. And, and that's really the basic idea behind a PPA. And, and then we could spend all day talking about all the you know, uh, peculiarities of how that contract ultimately gets done and how long it takes and how complex it is to, to, to allocate the risks in, inside such a contract. But, but let's not spend the entire program on that for now. And, and so maybe to, to, um, to elaborate on level 10's role. So we provide what we, what we think of as transaction infrastructure for the renewable energy industry. And what does that mean? It means that we want to help transactions become better and faster and safer and more transparent for everybody involved. And so we built two marketplaces. We built an energy marketplace that we'll talk about today where we where we where we manage PPAs. And then we have an asset marketplace where you can basically do uh, you know facilitate a similar transactions, but but instead of focusing on selling the energy from a project in the form of a PPA, you can you can transact for the entire project. So so we have in our energy marketplace, or our PPA marketplace, if you will, we've collected offers and real data from projects around Europe and the US and that that has a price point at which the sellers are willing to engage a conversation with a buyer. And we show that information to the buyer community, which consists of, of corporates and energy companies and increasingly also corporates through our broad network of, of sustainability advisors. Um, they, they come and, and take a look in the platform and they can see, in, in, I think we, we think it's a user-friendly format. <laughs> they can get an instant view of where are opportunities available and what do they look like in terms of price uh, and or value and COD and, and all of these types of things. So, so that's, that's the platform approach that we're trying to bring to this market to help uh, increase liquidity and, and transparency for, for everybody that, that wants to interact in this market. Yeah, th- thank you. And, and so kind of ju- just uh, to summarize PPAs, especially for the industrials and corporates of the world are one tool to actually get direct access to green power um, in combination also with, with guarantees of origin. And they use it as one of the pillars um, for, for the European uh, decarbonization efforts. Now, Level 10 is actually quite quite new to Europe. So you've been the incumbent renewable transaction infrastructure platform uh, in the US and you've expanded um, the business to Europe over, over the last two years. Um, why was this the right time to move the business or expand the business to Europe? And, and what has been your experience uh, working on the European markets over the last years? Whether it's, it was the right time is, is always uh, easier to discuss looking back because it has been a very interesting and, and extremely dynamic past couple of years. But, but, but you know, when, is there ever a right time? I think we came at a point in time when we felt the market was maturing. Right, so we had been in in the U.S. and we had seen the PPA market uh, grow and 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 evolve and and become a relatively liquid market for these types of transactions. And and Europe was seeing, you know, through sort of 17, 18, 19, you know, single 
handfuls of transactions were were possibly being being made, and and we felt maybe now is the time to uh, to, to bring this type of platform approach and collect offers in many different markets, so that so that we can help accelerate uh, the transaction process, make make it more visible to buyers where opportunities exist, and and also help expand the access to more and more corporates to, to activate themselves in, in off-site corporate renewable procurement. We, we came driven by customer demand, right? So we had U.S. partners and customers that wanted to execute transactions in Europe, and they would like to do it on a similar, through a similar process that, that we had built for them and they utilized in the U.S. And, and that was the you know, primary driver. And since then, in, in the past two years, it's been it's been quite a journey, uh, to be honest. I I started by myself for about eight months until we started building out the team, and and you know we're now a team of seven in Madrid, and we've had a lot to learn, right? <laughs> the platform initially, and and I mean this in the best possible way when I say this was was made in America, right? And and made possibly also for the American market, of course. So we had to do some adaptation that goes into you know. Uh, language and and uh, some of the questions that we were asking developers and and all these type of things. There was a, definitely a period where we had to to learn a lot about how Europe would you know better um, embrace the offerings of Level Ten. P- building penetration across the developer community is is key and vital for us, and 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 we are not at the same place yet as we are in the U.S. But but we're certainly working and we're getting closer every day. Uh, the, the, the same is, is the case for our, what we call our sort of accelerate partnership network, where we offer consultancies the opportunity to come and use level 10's transaction tools to service its customers. So we've been working for the past uh, you know, many months to, to build out those relationships and really establish ourselves as you know, the market where uh, supply want to be because they know buyers are there and buyers want to be there because they know supply is there. So, so you know, you can argue how far we are in that strategy, but that's ultimately the aim that we, that we aim to bring uh, to the market to help build, uh, as I said before, li- liquidity and transparency to this, to this market. The, a couple of differences that I think we noticed along the way has been that European actors are more, I don't know if this is the right way, but, but they transact slightly more sophisticated in terms of the origination and structuring of deals that is possible. So there's some fundamental market differences that make that possible, but there's also a mindset that is really solution-oriented in, in how you share and allocate the risks among parties. So we've been pleasantly surprised by that, and we've adapted the platform to be able to accommodate, you know, other type of of, uh, of contracting structures and pricing models than than what we than what we typically see in in the U.S. The you know whereas Europe started with particular demand for physical PPAs, and you know there are a few reasons for that. We are now seeing that the virtual or the cross border. Uh, PPA structure is gaining a significant momentum and, and, and without getting into too much of the weeds there, there's a, there's a trade-off in terms of, of what you can do in, in either contract structure and, 
and the complexity that they that they bring to the to the table. So, so that's I think that's been an interesting um, journey as well in 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 uh, in terms of the contracts. When we talk about maybe supply and demand, that's ultimately something we care a lot about as we try to become a, a marketplace of choice. We, we're seeing very significant and diversified demand across, you know, government targets, you know, EU targets, utilities, and, and, and obviously the voluntary markets so corporates that are looking to satisfy their, their, um, their sustainability targets, as you outlined before. And, and one thing we can maybe touch on that later, but the one thing that's become more apparent is that there's a, there's an, an additional driver that is becoming increasingly visible is, is the need to hedge uh, electricity costs. And, and that's, that's sort of adding to corporate demand at, at the moment. We, on the supply side, we, we think the PPA supply growth is a bit sluggish and, and, and maybe struggling a little bit to keep up with demand, but, but hopefully that will rectify itself in, in coming years. But regulatory permitting and, and similar challenges have, have been have been um, you know, limiting the construction of, of new assets, at least to the speed at which most developers would like to proceed. Uh, there's a great deal of uncertainty related to, to component costs and construction costs and interconnection costs in many markets. And, and, and then I guess there's also, you know, there's, there's no situation that's so bad that it's not good for something. So the, so the elevated, elevated, price level in wholesale markets have brought a new and strong merchant appetite from the ultimate investors and owners of, of renewable assets, which, which, which sometimes means that they actually don't need to sign a PPA to go build the project, as I otherwise explained in the, in the very beginning. So, so that's also a bit of a damper maybe on, on PPA supply, at least they, um, you know, if, they, if they do choose to sell a PPA, they, they want to get to get paid pretty for it. So, so I know, so we, lots of learnings over the past couple of years of how, how this market is super dynamic and, and we're trying to do our best to, to, you know, to adapt the platform and to make sure that, that we can act as fast as the market requires and our partners that use our tools can, can um, capture opportunities as, as they, uh, as they are presented. And, and, and yeah, the, I guess the, the good news is that there are still opportunities and there's still a lot of deals uh, being made despite uh, challenges, if you will, on, on both sides. Um, yeah. So yeah, we, we're quite optimistic about you know, staying here, of course, for the, for the long run, but also how the market will evolve over the next, next few years. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Fleming. Re- really interesting. I mean, you you covered a, a, a lot already. I think in, in summary, it's fair to say that the European market is much less mature um, than the US market, which has been been very active um, in in, the, in much earlier than the the European market. Uh, European market really has picked up uh, since since two thousand eighteen. In my perspective, really also driven by uh, the increase interest and demand from from large corporates starting off. 
with the technology companies or the big consumer companies, but now also more and more what I would call kind of the price hedges uh, coming into the system, uh, really looking uh, for uh, long-term contracts as a hedging tool um, against uh, rising power prices. Um, so uh, certainly a very dynamic um, movement on the demand side. I agree with you on the supply side. I mean, some of the hurdles have been lifted in the last couple of years in terms of uh, renewable build-out. Um, subsidy schemes have been lifted in some countries, which uh, enables more um, kind of the, the PPA market uh, to pick up. And uh, trends that you just mentioned around virtual PPA certainly is a sign that the market is is slowly maturing. Um, it becomes a much more common tool uh, in Europe for market participants. Um, they are building up the knowledge and virtual PPAs um, as uh, really a financial derivative rather than a physical um, power delivery um, is a sign that people um, become, become more familiar with the market. We'll talk about the the um, the high um, power prices currently and how this is affecting the PPA market for now. Um, but first of all, I'd like to kind of uh, dig a bit deeper into uh, into Europe because we're talking about the European PPA market, but in effect, um, the European markets are actually really different, both in terms of, of you know their national energy policies, um, the power mix, the market players that are um, are active in in the different markets. Um, right. So could you break it down a little bit for me? So um, what are the incumbent PPA markets? Um, where is the market most liquid? Um, and what kind of emerging PPA markets have you seen uh, in, the, in the last couple of years uh, since you've been active in, in Europe? Yeah, no, I, I'd love to do that. And then I, I hope you will chime in if you, if you disagree <laughs> and you see something different on your end, right? Be, We've, we've had some pretty clear signals when we, so, so maybe just to explain how, how the platform works when we talk about um, helping corporates find PPA opportunities. So we would typically distribute what we call a demand signal or a request for proposal to the network of developers that we work with. And, you know, we have about 600 of those across North America and Europe and where applicable, they will review the specification that the corporate has, has set for, for their procurement appetite. So what we then collect are fresh and tailored offers to that specific demand signal, and, and we can, we can uh, analyze that data and help, help the corporate decide what is a better opportunity than, than the others. So, so in that work, we, we, we typically would get most responses from the Nordic region and uh, and uh, Spain, and at least uh, previous until sort of the new market boundary rule for for AIB versus non AIB countries uh, kicked in last year. We also had a lot of people with big load in the UK that were looking in that market, and and we I think we still see that. Right. I think those are still the markets where a lot of transactions are executed. Maybe the Nordics were the first movers a few years ago where, you know, I think Google, one of the first people to do a big PPA in Finland. And then sort of a lot of stuff has been going on in both Sweden, Finland, and also Denmark since then. And, and, um, and similarly in Spain, when it sort of took off back 
in 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 eighteen nineteen. Since then, we've seen a number of transactions and and transactions. Here, I talk both about corporate offtake agreements from directly from an ass, from a renewable asset, but also in indeed utility offtake from a from a similar similar asset. So, so lots of activity in those markets. In in uh, we've had we've seen a lot of interest in in Poland for for a couple of reasons. One one reason is there's a lot of companies that have manufacturing load there, and there's a very high uh, you know, carbon factor to to uh, to benefit from if you if you're actually able to to do a project inside Poland. The the uh, it's in sort of the same situation as now the UK. It's outside of the AIB scope, so you you have to do sort of an in-country engagement to to um, to have the highest amount of of impacts from from that market. But definitely, there's a lot of interest, and similar to to other places, prices have taken off, and it's been a little tricky. Uh, the the you know the national auction have swallowed a lot of projects, and and uh, there's you know it. It, it's it's not possible really to build winds in large scale. I know they are relaxing the H10 or the 10H rule, uh, but but still, it's it's not a super big wind market. So it's been primarily solar, and and that's that's actually a bit, you know that's maybe for for another section. But but the opportunities we see are primarily solar driven because it is very difficult to build new winds. Say say outside of of uh, territories, uh, you know, with with very low density in population, so may- maybe northern Sweden or or Finland and some places other, of course. But the I think we have maybe eighty to ninety percent of the offers we have in Europe are solar, and only ten percent are wind. So so there's a big dis- discrepant or big advantage to to uh, to solar. Um, yeah, and 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 one of the 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 main kind of reasons um, uh, be, behind um, or the, the supply side of PPAs is always looking how how actually the the, the subsidy schemes in the different European countries. So you mentioned Spain, um, which uh, didn't have much of a, a subsidy scheme um, for uh, solar build out in the last couple of years, and they introduced it around uh, what was it one and a half years ago. Um, which was kind of a game changer for the PPA market because suddenly you had an alternative to two PPAs um, if if not looking at merchant um, yeah. and that is affecting um, the the PPA supply side and um, I, I and and the same goes for the Nordics obviously where where the subsidy uh, schemes um, have uh, have been have been poor in that sense uh, for a couple of years now and that really gives room to a market driven build out in combination with PPAs. I do also see a lot of interest in, in Poland. Uh, I think also uh, very much demand side driven. There's a lot of international players um, active in Poland that are looking for local decarbonization. Uh, so for me, especially uh, the interest here is, is on the demand side. Um, and it will be interesting to see whether enough projects will be available to cover this demand. Um, Poland for me is one of the countries that will be undersupplied um, in PPAs um, for for the next uh, coming years. 
um, even though, as you mentioned, the 10-H rule, so the distance rule uh, for the buildup of renewables, um, especially onshore wind, um, might uh, might be a bit of a game changer here as well in providing um, additional projects in the market. So kind of little uh, policy changes um, on paper, I would say, can have quite a, a significant impact um, on uh, on how the PPA markets uh, develop and, and how big the role of, of PPAs um, will be for the renewable build-outs in, in, in the different countries, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, no, I think I completely agree with that. And, and by the way, thank you for again uh, explaining some of the some of the language that I just throw out there and in, in uh, without explaining what it means. And so I'm happy that you <laughs> pick, pick it up and and help the audience understand what, what we're talking about. Um, yeah, I think in terms of so where where um, supply was was very significant across the Nordics and 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 uh, and, and Spain. A year ago, uh, that that supply is smaller, but it but it's still very attractive places to be. Uh, and 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 if we talk about what are other places or newer markets that are that we're seeing interest in across uh, across Europe, I, th- I think there are a couple that that I want to highlight, and 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 we can talk more about that. And one is one is um, one one is Italy, right? We've We've, we've had a lot of interest in in Italian projects over the past couple of years. They they demonstrate, you know, pretty pretty good value and 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 there's a good opportunity for the buyer in Italy. There's there's some things to be mindful of in terms of managing the, you know, you 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 pull you you fill up Sicily with solar and 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 there's no way to export that power from from Sicily. The, you know the the solar capture price ultimately will will become lower and lower. So there's there are some cannibalization issues to to consider, but generally it's a very interesting market, and we we have um, been you know witnessing these permitting issues or delays in getting projects through the permitting queues for a very long time now, and and there are new initiatives and. And a new task force put in place to to try and speed that up and get projects faster through the queue. So hopefully we'll see more, let's say, realistic supply being uh, demonstrated from Italy in in the next uh, in the next couple of years. That would be that would be very exciting. We we're starting to see a lot of interest in Greece, and that's actually both from the development side, but also from from the offtake side. And we're in the middle of negotiating the. First PPA that that we would potentially do in Greece if it if it ultimately gets signed. So so excited to see to see that resource um, be, being being fulfilled and and I guess there are other south southeastern European countries, uh, Hungary one, uh, maybe Bulgaria and up and further up north from there is that is exciting and and maybe maybe it's a few years behind but but certainly we're starting to see activity and in those markets too. And then a couple of big ones that, that we should touch on that everybody has a lot of interest in, which, which might be Germany and France. And there are some, some reg- regulatory uh, barriers that have, have made those markets from a pricing perspective you know, less interesting from the, from the voluntary off-taker as, as most of the projects that have been developed there has, has been um, com- comfortably seated under a, a nice... Subsidy scheme, where then the the guarantee of origin or the 
or the uh, green benefit was was not able to be to be exported to the to the corporate. I, I, I there's so much um, interest in in Germany at the moment, a new regulation, and and you can help 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 us understand this. So so we. So we do expect great things from the German market going forward. And, and we have a lot of customers that would love to see better opportunities to tap into new renewables in, in Germany. But what, what do you think about, about that? How do you, do you see the same or what is your perception? Yeah, Germany is, Germany is an interesting one, um, and especially given that Germany has this very special case of currently not providing guarantees of origin uh, for subsidized assets, um, making yeah. uh, the GOO market um, uh, quite uh, quite scarce for the amount of industry um, that, that Germany has. Um, and so PPAs in that sense are, are the only tool to actually get access to guarantees of origin with, um, a, with for high quality green power with high additionality um, and uh, local and time correlation, which are basically kind of the, the three criterions that um, you would be looking for um, to, to certify your, your high quality um, green power procurement. Um, and so, of course, all these industry uh, players, um, again, starting with the technology companies, but a lot of players coming in, uh, looking for projects, um, looking even for, for baseload projects, uh, which um, is, right, is, right. is an additional complexity um, <laughs> yeah. in Germany. Um, and so we do expect um, the, the German the German, um, the, the German market to, to remain undersupplied. Uh, quite a big game changer could come through the Renewable Energy Directive uh, 3 um, out of the European uh, Union, which is advocating that all European um, green-generated po power should receive guarantees of origin, which would mean that German uh, power would also um, have to, to issue guarantees of origin if it was on a, on a subsidy scheme. Um, however, there is further adjustments on, on a national level uh, that would uh, be required in order for the industry really to be able to use these guarantees of origin from a subsidized um, asset, um, which is the prohibition of, of the double marketing of green power, the double yeah, yeah. support in, in, in Germany. Um, so uh, this is something uh, that, that will further be needed to, to adapt and um, could um, uh, make uh, the, the German market much more relaxed in the next coming years. On, on the other markets that you that you mentioned, um, Italy, um, I do see a lot of interest in Italy um, in that sense, uh, but quite regionally focused, I would say. So kind of interest in, in Sardinia and Sicily, as, as you mentioned, um, Italy kind of being split in different price zones also. So um, just talking about Italy itself um, is, is probably, as for the EU as a whole, um, uh, likely to, to generalize it um, uh, too much. And uh, uh, yes, and, and Southeastern Europe um, fully agree with you. Uh, there are certainly markets to watch. Um, fully agree on on Hungary, um, where it seems uh, that the um, uh, the PPAs um, are a good tool for developers um, to, um, uh, to 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 get around uh, quite complicated uh, subsidy schemes and enable the build out that they're looking for in those countries. So, um, yeah, lots lots of interest in these different markets. 
with not sort of emerging PPA markets, I would say. Um, demand uh, really increasing all over Europe, but the supply side indeed is quite is quite different in the European markets. Now, just transitioning to the to the next topic, as I really would like to discuss it and take the time for it, is the current market situation, um, which has you know been been quite different um, to what we would have seen a year or two ago. And then the, the, the major change here is um, the power prices um, have been extremely high, really starting off in late summer last year um, with um, gas prices starting to increase. And the situation obviously has, um, has become much more dramatic since the Russian invasion um, in Ukraine. And um, yeah, prices, prices really skyrocketed we also see the, the forwards um, um, uh, power price um, still still being extremely high, even um, for forwards in, in 2024, 2025, um, yeah. which from our perspective um, are, are, are less fundamentally driven, um, but um, rather are, are reflecting the uncertainty and, 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 um, and, and the volatility in, in the market in general. Um, so since PPA prices are um, usually and oftentimes kind of um, uh, priced on the basis or, or looking at the forward prices, um, that leads to PPA prices actually being really high for the moment. So um, how have you perceived the, the current market situation? What, how has this affected um, the willingness to close PPAs from, from the two sides of the market? Yeah, thanks for that introduction to a very interesting topic as well we we are seeing extremely high prices in the market as you laid out and that also obviously impact levels of of uh, the level of ppa uh, price points as well i think there are a couple of of dynamics uh, that that are interesting to notice so from the buyer perspective we we're seeing that demand is still strong and, and in fact, we ran a survey uh, with some of our advisor partners in our most recent PPA price index report that said that 55% of our advisors' customers, they were aiming to keep their pace of, of, of sustainability procurements or renewable energy procurement, and 20% were aiming to increase the speed at which they procure renewable energy. So I think that's encouraging. And, and the, on the seller side, they they have been uh, more seeking sort of innovative contract structures that better improve their ability to capture some of this some of this higher value in in the market and and those contract structures could be something like a delayed ppa start date so where the developer might run the first couple of years on a merchant basis and then the ppa price kicks in it could be ppa offers with a shorter tenor where well, for the business case of the project, if, if they can sign a, you know, a five-year PPA or, or, or maybe even shorter, they, the business case is done. So, so that's what they're looking for. And other developers are looking for alternative pricing structures like the market-following pricing structure that, that allows them to capture the, actually the merchant revenue while potentially having the corporate agree to a floor price in case pricing turned down. So... So there's a lot of contractual stuff going on that is aimed to help keep the developers at the table rather than just sort of uh, sell it in 
in the market and that what what we would call merchant appetite is actually increasing pretty significantly not just i think we saw it earliest in the nordics and we're seeing it particularly now in spain as well so so that also is a is a bit of a challenge for the for the corporate buyers so so what what can they do if they want to get a a ppa they have to be what we call ready to transact because things are moving really fast. The demand is strong. The developers have multiple avenues. They can, you know, they can sell to a couple of cor- corporates. They can sell to a utility, or they cannot sell at all. And and so, if you're a corporate fighting for that project or for the power from that project, you have to be able to move at speed, and you and you have to be also prepared to potentially accept some terms and conditions that that you know you would not have had to um, to agree to a couple of years ago so or, or even a year ago the the thing that's helping drive demand from buyers is is this notion you know so where and and I've been once so I feel I can say this with some comfort so if you've been sort of uh, an energy procurement manager you know been used to seeing energy prices in Europe being being low and 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 relatively flat what's happened over the past 12 months has has really been an an eye opener for for lots of companies in their risk management policies so so yeah. now we're seeing as and you mentioned this before lots of of um, of price hedgers uh, you know going going to to market or at least that has become another driver for for the PPA demand so so i think in short the the demand remains strong the willingness from corporate buyers to engage in ppa contracts remains strong and and from the developer side although they they have challenges in their supply chain and 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 all of that and and cost of of their components there's, there's also a great deal of uncertainty there they're also willing to transact and and they are you know acting rationally and hoping to capture some more of that um near term high revenue from that's available in the wholesale market and and i think that's that's uh you know that's where the um, the meat of the negotiations take place at the moment is how do you sort of allocate and make everybody happy with the um with the current market situations but 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 you know the good news is that ppas are being done and there's willingness on both sides you know the you might want to call this more of a seller's market than you would have certainly a year ago and mm. and i know that that can mean different things to different people but but when we when we look at it we 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 think about okay when we're in a room with a developer and a buyer and and the developer you know many developers over and over again you know tell us you know how how, how many different opportunities they have to go to market that's that's not you know that was not the situation a, a year ago or 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 further back so so i think that power has shifted a little bit and that's that's natural and um and and buyers then will have to figure out a way to to manage that if they if they if they want to if they want to secure a ppa 
Yeah, I, I would agree to that. So I think the kind of the, the general ambition to uh, keep keep on on track, I would say, on on the decarbonization path for a lot of these corporates um, is is definitely there. However, they they really struggle with these very high prices for the moment, um, and so uh, the, the the reality is that the prices are really driven by these enormously high um, gas prices and and the crisis. Um, but the prices. Um, will will go down again eventually um, as, as soon as the LNG market will develop in the next coming years um, with terminals being built in, in mm. Europe um, with the general um, uh, kind of uh, supply side uh, on, on the global gas market um, uh, will uh, will diversify more with uh, countries such as the US and, and Qatar building up that LNG um, uh, capacity. So we expect the prices to go down kind of around 20 2024, 2025, again, mm. um, when you close a PPA today, uh, most of them, you know, start uh, power delivery in 2024, 2025. Um, yeah. And so um, it, I, I see a lot of interest from market participants to um, either look at fundamental uh, price forecast um, to price PPAs. Or, um, as you were saying, indeed, um, uh, rather than to, to fix a PPA price on the basis of the current forward prices, which would lead to a very high price for um, these these long term contracts, right? You wouldn't you wouldn't want to to close a ten year PPA on the on the basis of these these incredibly high prices. So there's much more willingness to either go for um, a, a merchant index spot price index um, PPA structure, um, shorter tenors, as you were saying, to and in, in order to uh, then close a PPA um, when um, when the prices are lower. Uh, so definitely a, a lot of movement um, in in the market uh, in terms of um, of, of uh, yeah in, in, in terms to to make it happen. Um, the the fixed price ten year tenor PPA um, is is currently kind of not the favorite uh, market structure um, I see in the market currently. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. I do I just see this this innovative spirit, and as I talked about in the very beginning, like we that, that's a that's a theme for for Europe, and and it's it, it's it's great to be to be part of that. It, it doesn't mean that it's always easy, and 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 it's and it is indeed difficult to to get transactions closed at the moment for all the reasons you you've just highlighted and reiterated. But it is it is still uh, it is still happening, and it's and it's fun to be a part of. Fully agree to that. It's a really exciting space to be active in. Looking at the clock here, Carl, well, it was slowly coming to to an end of the show. But before we ended off, uh, we um, like to 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 play a small game which we call overrated, underrated, um, <laughs> where we get a couple of really uh, snappy short answers on a, on a couple of statements. Um, yep. <laughs> so if you're up to that. that game, so the first one um, would yep. be kind of PPA as a tool for decarbonization for for corporates in Europe. Is that underrated or overrated in your perspective? Um, PPA is. I think it's. I think it's underrated now, and and has been in the past. Right. The the uh, the, the thing that may concern me is how how will we how will we look at it in the in the future when if if, if everything goes merchant. But as long as uh, there are still developers out there that that benefit from this P, from a PPA contract with an with an offtaker, then uh, you know highly underrated, and and we should have more of those. Okay, and what about um, the twenty four seven movement? 
underrated or overrated? I, I think it's underrated. And, and, I, and I know that, you know, a lot of people will not agree. It's just a game for the big tech and, and all of that. But, but when, I, when I was a corporate buyer in, in 2016, our supplier came to us with that idea. And, and we started to think about it. And, and that was, that was early, early days. But since then, I've actually been inspired by the notion that that, that should be the ultimate ambition. And, and sure, it's, 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 uh, it's difficult, uh, you know, not to say impossible in many places, and it and it's, would be extremely costly to, to get there. But I think the notion and the ambition over the next five to 10 years should be to, to move uh, ambitious companies in that direction. And, and, um, and, and that's also to say that Level 10 is working on software tools to help that. But it's, and, and maybe I'm biased from that perspective, but I, but I do think it's an interesting notion. Yeah, absolutely. Underrated. Yeah, interesting. I actually see the, the the other way around. I have to admit, I think it's <laughs> um, it's 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 putting ambitions very high. Uh, it's a situation where where we're currently trying to to ramp up the market and and enable um, the the market for a, a lot of market participants that that might not be looking for twenty four seven right now, uh, but are looking to close first deals and 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 getting to another market. So it's interesting um, that that you have a different view on, on that one. So the the, the third one is and and we touched briefly. Uh, upon it at the start of the podcast is, is virtual PPAs for Europe. Is it uh, underrated, overrated? Where is it going? I think it's um, I think it's underrated. It's a fantastic product. It's not a it's not a product for everybody, and 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 some people will have heard me say that before. But but the and and, and there, there's a lot of um, you know there's some complexity. It's it's a difficult product to access. It's not. So at level 10, we'd like to work for having everybody, giving everybody the ability to participate in this market and, and be able to, to procure renewable electricity in, a, in an impactful way. And, and, and even though it doesn't have to be on a 24-7 basis, but, but at least we want to we give as many corporates access to this market as possible. And, and the PPA is, is not the greatest tool for that. But if you are among the companies that have the, the size and the scope and the and the financial capabilities to take on this type of product, then yeah, it's it's a great product uh, and and a great uh, tool. Yeah, it makes it makes a lot of things easier in the end, right? So especially for corporates that have activities around Europe um, yeah, and uh, yeah. with with lots of different sites, actually cross border virtual PPAs can be can be a really good way of bundling um, the power needs. So it's interesting to see um, kind of the, the really increased interest in, in virtual PPAs uh, in Europe. Yeah. Um, the, and just the, just on that, actually, if if I may, so 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 I fully agree. Like we the biggest obstacle that we've seen in the past towards this contract structure that actually offers a lot of benefits um, is, is the accounting complexity. And, and we're finding, we're seeing more and more IFRS accounted companies that are getting comfortable with what they have to do in order to manage that complexity. And I, and mm -hmm. I think that's encouraging. That's all I'll say. I think that's encouraging. 
That, that, it's really funny because my next one would have been uh, the complexity of PPA transactions. Is it underrated <laughs> or overrated? So you, you took it away from me. So it's not the accounting uh, uh, only. It's also the, the legal uh, structure yeah. more generally. So, um, but that's still underrated. <laughs> yeah, do yeah. market participate still 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 uh, overestimated in that sense or, or underestimate for the complexity of PPA transactions? I, I think the I think the market the, the market participants are, are are pretty well aware that this is a complex structure and 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 I still think it's somewhat underrated. I I would love to see this and and hopefully someday we'll get there that this become a contract structure that can be a four page document signed by the chief procurement officer or someone someone at that level rather than this having to be an eight months process with extensive transaction costs and, and approvals up to, you know, CFO, CEO, and sometimes board of director level, you know, I, you know, that I, I think it's still underrated how complex it is, but, but most, most organizations that we're in touch with, they are aware of that one, when, when, at least when, when we get to speak to them. Yeah. So, so that's, mm. So that's my position on that. Yeah, it's um, I fully fully agree. It's still um, very much bilateral contracts and um, really different on on every PPA transaction um, that that, that yeah. we're seeing in the market. So to end it off, lights and uh, and uh, yeah, last but 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 uh, not least, as you would say, kind of um, Danish beer is it is it overrated or <laughs> underrated, Fleming? <laughs> oh, that's a good one. You're going to get me in trouble here. So, <laughs> so, um, so, uh, Danish beer is um, is is underrated. I I thoroughly enjoy a chilled pilsner, and and there are um, and, and there are some companies in Denmark that make very very nice pilsners, and and probably they might be the best in the world. Who knows? Mm, yeah, Gr growing up in Belgium, um, <laughs> I, I, I I might uh, have to uh, ramp up my my Danish beer uh, knowledge a little bit. Interesting. We, we, we should get together and exchange um, tastes, I guess. And, yes, and views. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Listen, uh, Fleming, thanks you so much for uh, for being my my guest on on the show today. Uh, it was really pleasure uh, to talk to you uh, today. We covered. Um, the recent trends on, on power purchase agreements, um, talking about the different European markets and the role Level 10 is playing um, to ramp up the PPA market in, uh, in Europe. Uh, Fleming, thank you so much for being a guest on my show today. Tegla, it was my uh, absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me and, and Level 10 uh, to, the, to the table. It's, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much. That was Tekla von Bülow, Principal for Commission Projects at Aurora's Berlin office, talking to Fleming Sorensen, Vice President Europe at Level 10 Energy. Do keep an eye on our podcast feed for more in-depth conversations with senior members of the energy industry. The best way to do this is to subscribe on whatever platform you use. Thanks for listening and goodbye.